Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my next podcast here with Swim for Try. Um, I had the good fortune to meet Claire Fudge not so long ago through a, a mutual athlete friend, and she's been a source of amazing information, um, a real dynamic person. Uh, you know, yes, you can speak to a nutritionist. Yes, you can speak to somebody about your food and, and diet and so on. But here's someone that's done a lot of triathlon and taken it one step further, because if you think about it, Yes, I could go on a diet, I could lose some weight, but do I have the tools to continue that? She's actually combined several areas and is organizing training camps with training and with nutrition advice and with learning how to prepare better, healthier food. Claire, have I got that pretty much right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's um, I've been qualified as a dietitian, a clinical dietitian actually for about 16 years now and then worked in high performance sport for about the last sort of 11 12 years um so it's something that's been very close to my heart in terms of training and educating um athletes um yeah so the concept of our um triathlon nutrition camp is something that i've been wanting to to really sort of get out to athletes for a number of years now so it's 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 really exciting that is amazing. I'm just checking your um, your sort of background and your list of qualifications is remarkable. You must have like the whole alphabet behind your name, um, you know, from personal training to uh, British Dietetic Association, registered with Health and Care Professions Council. Um, it, it's remarkable. And so you take this seriously in terms of it's evidence based, it's researched, but you're bringing it all together. I, I like that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the ethos behind the way that I've always worked um, is working as part of a wider and bigger team. Um, hence, actually, having first um, spoken spoken to you as well, as you, as you said, sort of through a mutual contact. And, um, you know, it's really important to me that, um, that athletes um, are very much sort of the centre of, of working with them and that we have this team around them. So very much part of um, the way that I work with athletes and, and also part of these camps is that um, that we will have a, a great team. So it won't just be um, me as a as a performance dietitian working with those those athletes, but it will also be um, the the other team members. Um, so people like yourself, for example, that are that are coaches and and very sort of specific um, swim coaches for triathlon, um, but also. Um, uh, people um, working in sort of strength conditioning and, and physiotherapists and even down to um, our routine bike fitter as well so um, just really important that an athlete gets um, gets advice from all the specialists as I'm sure you you probably sort of feel the feel the same way really yeah, absolutely let's talk a little bit more about that in depth shortly but first of all you, you come from a sporting background anyways before triathlon did you find triathlon and then that sort of led the way or you were just combining the two yeah um interesting really so i um i was always a very sporty um child and actually grew up with um grew up with sort of always playing playing lots of sport at school um and then we we were lucky enough we, we lived in the middle of nowhere so we were lucky enough to have um horses so we did a lot with sort of pony club and things like that um and then sort of moving away to university sort of took up running because it was the only thing that didn't cost me anything <laughs> uh, so, um at the time and um yeah really sort of took took to running and i was studying um nutrition at that time because i was kind of interested in food um 
And as a side to that, really, sort of my interest from food came from um, my, my um, I grew up in a family business, a, a baking business. Wow. Um, so um, always growing up around really lovely, good quality um, food. And um, really, I guess that, that brought me to the, sort of the love of my um, you know, love of food and, and nutrition. So that's kind of where the nutrition bit sort of probably um, stemmed from. Um, and then really with um, really with um, triathlon, I got into it because I was um, injured. So I, I was uh, I was run over by an oil tanker. So um, that's my story. Um, so I could I had to have quite a lot of time out of running, and um, I had some great friends and also some family friends who said to me actually it was my it was my sister who particularly said you know you're not going to be able to go out there running um as much as you were um you know come and join us we've all bought bikes buy yourself a wetsuit get into triathlon so um interestingly it was something I did I I I kind of went and bought all the kit um had absolutely no idea what I was doing um I kind of grown up riding bikes and things but never um, I mean, never had a bike that had more than three gears um, and um, could swim. I used to swim at school, but um, yeah, I'd never put a wetsuit on or anything. So that was kind of where my, my triathlon really started. Um, and then naturally sort of brought that in, I guess, with having qualified as a, as a dietitian, really wanted to kind of um, specialise in sport. Amazing. So that's kind of how the how the two things sort of merge together, really. It's so often the way. I mean, I I, I had a, a usual job years and years ago and was racing, and people just asked me, you know, how do you swim the way you do? Well, I was fortunate. I I grew up as a swimmer, and then enough people asked that I thought, oh, actually, um, you know, there's something here, and I never thought that I might want to be a swim coach. I mean, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd grown up with swimming clubs and remember the bickering with the parents and the committees and the coaches and thought oh, that is not for me but suddenly we had this new area of triathlon of adults wanting yeah. to learn how to swim faster and it just fell into place I mean it, it you know it's lovely isn't it when you can combine your mm -hmm. two passions absolutely and I think you know one of the things that I am very passionate about is you know I I would always send an athlete that contacts me you know from another sport that I'm not specialist in to one of my colleagues so if it were football for example you know I I, I played a little bit of football in the past but I'm not a specialist and it's not my sport it's not my area I don't fully understand it and I think to you know work within um, a sport and give advice actually um, you know being part of that and um, being a triathlete myself I, I get it. I understand when somebody says to me, you know, I've I've been at work all day. I come home, I do my training session. I don't finish till nine o'clock in the evening, and I don't feel like eating. Like I I understand that because I understand what training session they might have done. I understand that you've done, um, yeah. You know, the the kind of advice to give. So I think it's you know it's it's really important having that that understanding that deep understanding really of sort of training and recovery and how you feel and trying to hold down a full-time job or if you've got family and children and things. Oh gosh. Um, Have you um, sort of so far, what's your favourite place to race on? And, you know, maybe that was your favourite race or, you know, have you travelled with triathlon? Um, yes, I've travelled quite a lot with triathlon, um, sort of chasing 
chasing around the uh, the world for qualifying slots, really. I, oh, I yes. think that's what I've done. But I had some amazing holidays as well. So I, I always uh, I always use it as an excuse or an opportunity <laughs> as a, an amazing holiday. So that's how I sell it anyway. Um, but um, so, yeah, I, I would say, I'm trying to think of what my, my favourite um, race will have been. Um, I had um, an amazing time um, when I went away and raced in, in Whistler in Canada wow. um, and had, had an absolutely fantastic holiday afterwards. So I think some of the, some of the places that I've, that I've travelled to and raced, um, I think have kind of maybe would have places that I wouldn't have, have been to before. I actually took a trip to Sweden, which was, which was amazing as well. Um, and I love the food in Sweden, actually. Oh, that's um, interesting. And that's that's always an- another reason when I travel. He's um, um, <laughs> always looking at the food as well. <laughs> was that for for the Ironman? Is that Kalmar? Did you or yes, something? Yeah. So I did. I did Kalmar actually. The the first year. I've heard. That, I've um, heard that's an amazing event. It. Yes. Really, really popular with with our swimmers or you know our triathletes that, oh, that really? head over there. Yeah, um, and it sells out very quickly, very quickly. So you were there for the first year. How did it go? <laughs> Um, it was great, actually, from a swimming perspective. Um, it was full of jellyfish, Ooh. like little tiny pink jellyfish. So we all got out of the water, and literally my face was stinging the whole of the race. So I think these, these tiny little jellyfish, I'm not quite sure what type they are, um, these little, like, kind of a bright pink jellyfish Ooh. of some sort. Um, so, yeah, that, the race was good, and I, I, um, I was... Um, fortunate enough to finish in the top 10 so that was um that was a, a good race for me but a really um quite a hot day actually um that's brilliant but I, I just love the app you know the atmosphere and, and sweden was a great place to race it's um really beautiful country and very clean um and like i say really lovely sort of wholesome food as well um which was yeah always a great part of traveling is trying all the food i mean and so that you 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 must know or you must uh, maybe you haven't experienced it because you're obviously you know you're on the inside track but you know so many of us suffer with Ironman with upset stomachs mm-hmm. later in the day you know maybe it's too many gels maybe it's you know dehydration but you know how, can you just summarize you know any key points for an Ironman for exercising for that duration of time what you could do to better um you know is there anything or is it all highly individual and you've got to experiment yeah I mean a really good question and actually that's um something that I often work with athletes and I think until you've experienced it I think a lot of the time in training people don't necessarily um ever experienced the extent that you do in a race and, and it comes as quite a surprise to some people um number one thing is that you've got to practice choose your race nutrition before you um you know as much as you're planning you know looking at training peaks and planning all your sessions you've got to start planning your nutrition really early and and find out what race course nutrition is and what you're going to race with so it may not be that you use the nutrition on course but you take your own with you so really planning that and and actually training with it as well so yeah making sure that you are training your gut and we can train our guts and i think that's something that people don't always realize um is that you know it may be that you do struggle to eat when you're running but but if you train yourself to do it you will be able to do it um so so planning and training in advance is really important um, being aware of how to cope with those symptoms if you do get symptoms 
Um, hydration is also really important. You know, actually, dehydration is one of the biggest cause of, um, causes um, of um, problems with your digestive system um, when you're racing and certainly towards the end of a race, and especially if you're racing in hot conditions. So there's so many factors to take into account. You know, are you racing at altitude? Are you racing in the heat? Is it going to be freezing cold? Um, there's so many individual sort of factors that come into play in terms of sort of taste and texture and um, you know we get a lot of sort of taste fatigue as well and you know one thing I would say is that planning for um, scenarios is also really important as I'm sure you know people do on race day anyway you know Ironman's a long race it's a long day it's a long day even if you're you know you're finishing the top in your age group um, you, you literally have to prepare and carry with you, you know, the three meals you normally would take during a day. You know, you've got to compact that into, you know, carrying it on a bike or having it. You know, it, it's a, it's an amazing duration, isn't it, that you need mm-hmm. to swap. And not, you can't just pre-fuel and hope for the best, can you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's, um, it's being very tactical about it and, you know, Having a plan, having a race plan and having a race nutrition plan plan is really important. And also planning planning for things that don't go to plan is what <laughs> I always talk to athletes about. Because, yeah. you know, it, it's so important. And even, you know, people, and, and interestingly, you know, you touched on, um, you know, maybe my plan is, is kind of that I don't get problems or that I've always worked it out. You know, I can plan to the absolute nth degree. But... <laughs> But on race day, you know, we, we might have swallowed a little bit too much seawater. We might oh. have, um, you know, not fueled early enough in that session because it got cold. You know, all of these things have, have certainly happened to me in the past. And whilst I am able to think of my feet quickly about what I might do to change that, it doesn't take away from the fact that we're all human beings. Yeah. And, can I, um, you know, different things happen. <laughs> on, on that on that note, can I impress you with something that I do before I disappoint you later with some of my other <laughs> dietary uh, habits? Go for it. <laughs> so um, I haven't done an Ironman since 2008, but I much prefer the world of long distance open water swimming. And mm-hmm. you're right. I, I actually now carry my own gels in the calf sort of region of my wetsuit because, you know, if I'm doing something like the River Dart 10K, I don't want to arrive at the pontoons because they're, you know, they're, they're floating in the middle of the river and yep. there'll be jelly babies. There'll be something that I'm not familiar with. I want to know. Yep. And, and, and possibly, you know, depending on where they may have run out, who knows, or the delivery may not have arrived. So I actually carry my own knowing that I've got it with me. I've trained with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've got a multi-loop swim Ironman and you're going to be in the water for you know, an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even experiment, experimented with some of that swimmers. Maybe they should be fueling mid-swim if they're going to be in the water for quite some time so they don't hit the bike, you know, already in a deficit. Is, does that make some sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, it's it's making sure that you – and a really good point you raised there, actually. You know, for some of our athletes that aren't coming out of the water in under an hour – um, yeah, it's a long time, as, as you know, it's a long time to be in the water, especially if it's cold <laughs> as well, you know, and that's, I think for a lot of people, they use up a lot of energy at the beginning, even before they've got in the water at that swim start, um, you know, a lot of nervous energy, and people, um, 
uh, certainly the athletes that I work with, I always encourage them to be having um, certainly something like a gel, like 10 minutes before you get in the water even. So you've topped up the stores before you even got in. But I think it's a really great point that you raise. Um, and something maybe um, that we don't always focus on enough is that if you are, if you know that you're going to be in that water for longer, that actually taking something with you and, and having a gel. But again, it comes down to practicing, doesn't yeah, it? I mean, I don't know how just... you do it, Dan, in terms of when you're sort of swimming with gels, whether you stop and tread water or how you how you do that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it could be as simple as that. Um, you know, and, and I'll take the store the wrapper back inside the leg area don't put it down your front because you know it'll irritate your chest or your neck but you know yeah. tuck it away be you know be mindful of the environment but you know um you know some events there might be a floating pontoon there might be an exit for multi-loop where they're checking your laps you know or, yeah. or you just tread water and you know it's not if you're in the water for two two to three hours doing some of these long events now there's nothing yeah. wrong with having a break you know lake coniston end-to-end uh, -end, uh, yeah. with chill swim was eight and a half K and, and you know I, I can work pretty hard for 45 minutes but I know mm -hmm. I'll then need something to keep me going for the next block mm -hmm. of 45 minutes so yeah treading Absolutely. water you know enjoy the scenery for a minute get your breathing mm -hmm. under control think about your yeah. swim technique and then crack on again yeah. and I think that's a really good point you raised because I think people forget actually that um, you know it's a bit like and and you know I'm sure that you've seen this many times, is people forget to drink, you know, even at a poolside. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they, they're in there for an hour and a half, and, and it's almost like because I'm in the pool with water, I don't <laughs> need to hydrate. Um, you know, and I think I think that the it's... same goes for, you know, sometimes doing swim races, and certainly with more and more people getting into long-distance swimming, um, you know, people haven't even thought, or athletes don't even think necessarily, um, about fueling and I think it's a really valid point you raised there in terms of you know actually if, if you have a fueling plan for the water um in fact it's actually going to obviously improve your um performance and not slow you down it, yes it might be a couple of seconds whilst you're treading water but it's it's actually going to benefit you uh, in, the, yeah. in the long term you know, I mean, how, you know, a cramp, a bad cramp could end your swim, you know, um, running out of fuel is just going to shorten your stroke. It's going to interrupt your breathing. Your speed is going to drop off massively. So anything you can do to avoid that is going to be helpful. I think, you know, some time invested that you might feel. And if you watch a, a good open water event, you know, you can see the swimmers, uh, like at the Olympics in the 10K, you know, they do generally they do multi-loop as they come past their coaches and you can see the feeding poles mm. and you can see them toying with, OK, well, I've only got one more lap. Can I lose mm. these two? At that level, there's gambles and there's risks. You know, if the mortgage doesn't depend on it, I think, you know, erring on the side of safety, nutrition, keeping your energy levels topped up is probably not a bad judge of, you know, because especially given how expensive these races are now, you don't want to not finish. <laughs> yeah, and it's and you know, you're, and you're absolutely right, and it's really interesting because you know one of the, one of the things that I often um, um, try to make athletes aware of is you know, especially in the world of um, triathlon, you know, we have people that are spending you know ten thousand, twelve thousand pounds on a bike. You, <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. But the entry fees for all of these races are very expensive. You may have travelled abroad to race. Um, you know, you may have paid three hundred pounds for a pair of shoes. Um, you know, so we've got athletes spending a lot of money. Um, and they may have put a lot of time and effort into their training and, um, you know, working with their coaches and trying to perfect their 
technique in their swim to get, you know, knock a few minutes off to get out of the water quicker. Um, their wetsuit, you know, paying all this money on, on all their kit. And actually, if you haven't focused your time and attention on your nutrition, your race could be over. And I think that's what we need to kind of um, help athletes to realise is that um, this could be one of the almost um, cheapest ways <laughs> to get you to the podium. Um, and um, I always remember actually um, a comment that one of my um, very good friends, he used to um, give me lots of advice actually really about my biking. He, he's a cyclist by background. And um, and this was more with kind of... Um, um, well, in the world of lightweight sport, we call it making weight. But this was more more about kind of we were having a conversation one day about a pair of wheels, and <laughs> I really wanted a pair of these really kind of nice deep set wheels. And we were joking about the fact you know, the size of me, and um, because I'm I'm kind of on the let's just say shorter side of and uh, <laughs> not not overly heavy. And he was saying, you know, do you need a pair of deep section wheels? And I really wanted them, and they sounded nice, and I wanted to buy some. <laughs> And he said, do you know what, Claire, um, you know, if, if we're talking about racing and kind of getting faster, um, he said, you know, it's, it's way cheaper for you. Why don't you just, like, you know, lose one kilogram and you could save a thousand pounds. And it was it was very interesting conversation we had. Where's, we laughing where's the fun in and that? I, I don't mean that necessarily <laughs> for all athletes, but it made me really think um, about where we spend money <laughs> and actually where we need to invest our time and energy and it isn't just throwing cash at it always well yeah i mean on that theme i remember watching the outlaw um sort of iron distance event uh, up in nottingham and and there were some remarkable in terms of value remarkable bikes mm-hmm. still in transition at about mm-hmm. the two hours and and i was just thinking gosh yeah um some swimming lessons being a bit cheeky as a swim coach but yeah. some swimming lessons may have helped there for, for you guys i mean yeah. you're, you're not going to bike 45 minutes into your competition you know having lost that during yeah. the swim but yeah it, let's let's move on um a newsletter came through the other day and i really this caught my attention why yeah. you should aim for consistency in training and variety in nutrition and, and that got mm-hmm. me thinking and i thought yeah i've read vague things about i should eat lots of different colored foods and yeah. Uh, is uh, five fruits and veg per day enough are, are they are they still as um concentrated and healthy as they used to be should we mm-hmm. eat more where, where where do you where does that fit into your your sort of ethos yeah it's um actually the um the guidelines in terms of health so if you look at kind of the um the world health organization but also the um uh, guidelines for cancer you know you, we're actually looking really the, the studies suggest that we should be having 10 portions 10. i thought this was quite an old an old sort of bit of advice maybe and okay so 10 now all right yeah so 10 is huge but the reason that we still really stick to kind of five is that most people don't even meet that <laughs> and i think so when when i talk to people about portions um and i work with quite a lot of young athletes actually working with um things like um hockey england and netball england and motorsports and things so working with quite a lot of younger kind of um athletes that are kind of up and coming and um one of the conversations i often have with them is um you know i ask them about fruit and vegetables and they say oh yeah i have loads of my evening meal so getting you to kind of appreciate even the five fruits and vegetables it's quite easy for us to know 
well, what's the portion of, you know, fruit? Well, if I have an apple or a banana, that one, each one of those is a portion. So that's pretty simple for us to work out. But when it comes to vegetables, actually, three tablespoons of one vegetable would only be one portion. So when people say, actually, I have all, you know, I get in my five portions, well, do you? Because when you look at that evening meal, you know, have you really got sort of nine tablespoons of veg on there? <laughs> <laughs> so, Gosh. you know, it does, get, it does get you thinking. And actually, just sort of picking up on that, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um, I love the fact you mentioned colour there, because colour on your plate, you know, if you, if you were to spread out... Um, on your on your table or on a breakfast bar actually your your food intake across the day what color do, you know what color is it is there multiple colors there or is it kind of beige um, so that's really you know i love the fact you picked up at that because i think that's a really good starting point um in terms of making sure that you get all the nutrition you need and i think with with athletes it can be um a bit of a task really when we're planning nutrition you know, if you've got an athlete that's maybe training twice a day and, and you touched on, or we, we spoke a little bit about, you know, um, GI distress and um, in, in athletes, you know, actually, obviously, from a from a fibre perspective and also the type of um, fruit sugar, so um, fructose and also another type of fermentable carbohydrate called fructans, um, you know, those can actually... Um, uh, stimulate the gut a bit more for, for some athletes so actually the timing of um, fruit and vegetables is often really important for athletes Interesting. Um, okay. so that you know we do need to take that into account actually when planning nutrition and how we kind of fit in and where we fit in that fruit and vegetable around around training is there such a thing as a superfood is this a something in the press it's it's surely it's a myth there's no there's no one thing that can really you know, or or is, or is it a more of a label for certain types of foods that are really better for us than others? Every food's super, isn't it? <laughs> I, <laughs> Particularly that gorgeous piece of like Victoria sponge cake with uh, fresh strawberries on top. That oh. is super to me. Um, <laughs> oh, I like you know, that. What I would say, and, and my kind of you know thoughts about nutrition is that um, you know you're absolutely right. There is no superfood. But the reason some of these, um, um, the media love it. I mean, isn't it isn't it great to talk about the next new food that we should be having in our diet? But you know, a lot of the the um, the reasons why we have these kind of termed superfoods is because they're particularly high in something that. Right. Um, confers some sort of advantage so if it were um, something like um, blueberries for example well actually because the colour or the dark colour of something like blueberries or um, it could be tart cherries for example um, that very deep dark purpley um, dark red sort of colour um, that um, confers advantages because of things like for example the amount of antioxidants that might be in it or the polyphenols or the um, the anthocyanins, for example. So they're all the, these kind of like little compounds that are within these fruits and vegetables that in huge quantities, so very concentrated quantities, may confer some beneficial advantages to us. So that might be in terms of um, decreasing our blood pressure. It might be from an antioxidant point of view um, that, that may confer some advantage in... in um, uh, benefiting us, like protecting us from developing certain cancers, for example. But I think where it gets taken out, um, um, taken out of context quite a bit, is that actually we would need to eat 
a huge number of these certain superfoods every single day. So the quantity we could eat would be impossible. <laughs> and then by having that many, um, or that, you know, trying to increase that portion of that superfood, we then wouldn't have space to include other foods in our diet. So we would kind of miss out on then nutrients from other foods as well. Um, so, so, sorry, so, 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 so rela related to that, we mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you would need nine, you know, if you had three different types of vegetables, nine tablespoons on your plate. Is that why we often add with supplements and powders to, you know, well, it, the clue is in the title to supplement mm. because we can't necessarily eat enough of what we should do. Do we need supplements and powders? That it's the interesting, world isn't of it? Triathlon I think, you know, the, gives the, us. You know, the, when we look at the supplement market itself, it's it's absolutely booming. It's huge. And actually, a really interesting time at the moment in terms of looking at um, lockdown and the immune system. I mean, it's just gone mad. Um, you know, people are buying um, supposedly immune boosting supplements left, right and centre. I mean, you know, one thing I will say is we cannot boost our immune system. We can support it, but we cannot boost it in, in, in any particular way by taking extra supplements. That's but, nice. That's nice to be reassured of that. So the, bo <laughs> the body is sort of, what's the word? Homeostasis? Do I remember from Homeostasis, my... Homeostasis, yeah, yeah, being in balance. Being in balance. So, you know, yeah. if you do boost something, the body will mm -hmm. want to regulate and bring it back anyway. Hence why certain vitamins get excreted. Is that right? Yes, to certain vitamins. So we've got we've got water soluble vitamins and we've got fat soluble vitamins. So the water soluble vitamins, um, essentially, if we take too much of them, we are going to metabolise them and, and kind of essentially pee them out. Um, and then we've got our fat soluble vitamins that are stored within the bodies and we in our bodies. So we do need to be a little bit more careful yeah. about huge doses that we take. And actually, that's that's why um, we can often see. Um, uh, lower vitamin D levels for us in the winter because where we're not topping up, certainly in the northern hemisphere, where we don't have the, U uh, the UV rays to top up our vitamin D levels and we're not obviously exposing our skin to the sun because it's freezing, um, we don't have that, that you know, the, the UV from the sunlight. Um, you know, we, can, we have certain stores from the summer, um, but those deplete um, over the winter. So that's often why we, we would suggest, which the general public is suggested to take a small dose of um, vitamin D over the winter months but certainly okay. with my athletes I would always suggest um, a, a, a kind of background dose of vitamin D as a supplement over the winter months um, but but I, I, you know I think in terms of um, powders and supplements it is very very individual and it's first of all asking the question you know can you provide it from your diet or is there a reason why um, you're not metabolizing or absorbing that you know is there a medical reason why not um, or is there a reason why you're excluding certain foods so really kind of going back to the basics before you start building in you know spending again spending this extra money on um, you know on supplementing it's fascinating stuff, Claire. Um, so you provide a, a really good newsletter with menus. You provide a, a very informative website. You're available for consultations. Is that correct? And when lockdown is over, um, you've had previously some really fun sounding training camps where you will actually invite a chef to help you learn how to prepare food is that sort of what it what that's the, the ultimate thing that brings it all together you do your training yeah. but you also yeah. learn about nutrition and how to prepare food which sounds wonderful to me yeah it's um 
And thank you for, for bringing our, our camps up. So the Train With Me camps, like I said at the beginning, is, is a concept that I have just um, wanted to bring to market really for and bring out to all our, our um, triathletes um, that we're working with um, for a number of years because it's something that actually to go away on camp to um, do some, some form of um, your triathlon training every single day with a coach. Um, but not only that, the, the kind of learning about nutrition and becoming um, aware and being able to um, essentially be your own nutritionist, really, by the end of the camp. Um, you know, talking about nutrition, learning about what we should be doing to prepare to go out and train, to prepare for racing, how do we recover, but actually living and breathing it. So we've got an amazing chef that we work with um, that he also works with British Cycling and Women's Football as well. Um so um, he is, um, he's a fantastic chef and um, he's brilliant to work with because actually, you know, after all day out there training and learning about nutrition, we actually come back and eat the food we've been talking about. <laughs> um, and within that, um, learning some skills as well for cooking. So whether it be some kind of knife skills or some so quick and easy sort of um, snacks that we can make for sort of after training or maybe some pocket snacks that you can take for, for cycling as well. So, um, yeah, um, the exciting part is just kind of putting all the nuts and bolts together, really, to to, um, to make sure each athlete sort of understands what they're doing from a nutritional um, perspective and actually being able to get out there and practice it and also make those mistakes as well. So, you know, we're talking about race nutrition you know, let's let's make a plan, go out there and practice it, see what works, see what doesn't work, and then sort of tweak it, refine it, um, and then hopefully you come away with, um, you know, a, a perfect sort of plan. Well, I say perfect, as perfect <laughs> as it can be. Um, <laughs> but but no race is perfect, so they were uh, yeah, always always having your um, kind of B, B and C alternatives. Well, the, you know, you've you've hit on something that I've mentioned frequently, you know, as a coach that also, you know, takes part, I, you know, my clients are almost wanting my experience, my mistakes, let me make the mistakes mm -hmm. and, and help you avoid them as best as possible. Yeah. You know, n nothing's ever certain on race day, mm -hmm. but um, I really like that approach. It's going to be lovely uh, meeting up and, and getting together and working on some of these in the future. Uh, I will yeah. make sure the website is available when we post this for all those interested. You know, sign up for the newsletter. Like we mentioned, there's menus, recipes and so on often mm -hmm. on, in the webs in, in, in the uh, newsletters. Absolutely. Yep. So we, we develop a range of um, recipes. So whether it's me sort of making them at a weekend, I love to do a bit of kind of like a, um, just sort of playing with food over the weekend. Um, so there's often recipes there. And um, we've also got a, um, a new e-recipe book that should be developed shortly um, in association with our chef, with Gareth. Brilliant. Um, so that's, that will be, um, yeah, something that people can come to and, and, um, and, and download as well. Um, and we've also just got a very exciting membership area that's going to be live um, in the next couple of weeks. Um, so giving you access to a few more tips and a few question question and answer sessions and um, a few sort of webinars and um, access to our team as well. Um, so it's yeah, it's really exciting. So yeah, please do if you've got time, just have a bit of um, have a bit of a look at our website and also um, our Instagram as well. It's um, the fourth discipline on Instagram. 
I do like that. Claire, it's been amazing. Always a pleasure to speak to someone that combines the sport, understands the sport, is a specialist in another area, brings you know some amazing insights. We've learned an awful lot in this and um, we should plan to speak again in the future. I really appreciate Absolutely. your time today. Thank you ever so much. No worries. Thank you for your time. Thanks.